We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And we have returned after our 167-hour hiatus, which means I'm back with a different perspective. When I began the blog, which was called A Different Perspective, and the radio show A Different Perspective, it was always in my mind to branch out somewhat from UFOs and talk about some of the other things that have interest to at least to me and and maybe all of you out there as well ufos are a key part of that paranormal sneaks in there once in a while as as you've heard in the past and one of the things that's uh, always intrigued me is the mystery of the oak island money pit this is a treasure in oak island i have with me today joy Steele who is a freelance writer and a member of Canada's Canada's Authors Association. I'm sorry, Canada. I didn't mean to say Canada. (laughs) The Canadian Authors Association uh, in Nova Scotia. She has always had an interest in the Oak Island mystery. After business studies and work, uh, she uh, worked in the field of communications in Hong Kong. And in 2001, she returned to Nova Scotia and was able to focus attention uh, to researching Oak Island. Finally, after more than a dozen years and countless hours of primary and secondary research, uh, Joy Steele shares her findings with the world. Her book is called The Oak Island Mystery Solved, and we're going to hear her solution today and a little bit more about Oak Island. Joy Steele, welcome to A Different Perspective. Uh, Hi, Kevin. Glad to be here. Well, it's nice to have a Canadian on the show once in a while since the um, show is produced in Ontario, Hamilton, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I can't even get this, the, the, the things right here today. I don't know. <laughs> you know, this always this always happens at the beginning of the show. I don't know whether it's, it's nervousness. It's Oak Island. That's what it is. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know if it's, it's it's nervousness or what, but as we get going into the show, things uh, seem to settle down a little bit. So we just sort terrible. of ignore the first few minutes. I was okay. going to say... Um, on this Oak Island thing, uh, we've just got about uh, three minutes left before we have to break here. Can you give me a short synopsis of exactly what the mystery of Oak Island is? Oh, well, we're going to just dive right in here and uh, say what yes. it is, then? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, uh, according to uh, my research, and uh, uh, as Kevin mentioned, uh, this is backed up by primary uh, documents, secondary uh, testimonies, uh, especially archaeological evidence, and so the uh, uh, what this all produced was the resolve for Oak Island, and it turns out that it was a naval joy, source. No, Joy, let me break. Let me let me stop you here. What I, what I want to know is what 
what is the Oak Island mystery? Not your solution yet. We'll get to that in a moment. But what mm-hmm. is the mystery itself? What is the deal about Oak Island? Okay. Well, for that, we'll have to go into a little bit of the folk, the, the lore of Oak Island. Yes. Uh, now, traditional lore says that three lads, uh, you know, visited Oak Island back in 1795. <clears throat> Just a little footnote aside here. Uh, our research... Uh, has indicated that actually the year might have been around 1780. We found that there were at least uh, five primary residences from the 1791 poll tax. So that date, I'm just saying, is in question. However, as it goes, uh, the the young men, they ventured to Oak Island, and what they chanced to see intrigued them. They saw a, a, a clearing. Uh, around Smith's Cove, and then they uh, chanced to find a depression, a big depression. And at that time, uh, you know, rumors were abounding about Captain Kidd, you know, maybe burying his treasure up there and things like that. So when they saw this oak tree with a block and tackle uh, dangling from it, and they saw the depression underneath, they said, ooh, you know, something sunk, sunk here, it must be treasure. And so, uh, uh, you know, um, this was the, uh, say, uh, misdetermination of clues right from the beginning. Well, let me interrupt yeah. you here. Let me interrupt you here because we're going to have to take our break, as I promised on, just yeah. moments ago. And what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit more about the boys who found the Depression and that sort of thing. For those of you who are interested, the book by Joey Steele is The Oak Island Mystery Solved. And I've posted a number of uh, entries on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com that refers to more... Uh, Oak Island in the mystery there. We will be back right after these messages. Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. 
I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. And promised, as promised, we are back with a different perspective. We're getting a bit of a hum on the line here, and I apologize to the listeners for that. Uh, we just can't seem to work it out, so we'll just have to continue on with the hum going on in the background. When we left Joy Steel, we were talking about... Um, the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. The discovery of the money pit on Oak Island, and I wanted to make one point clear. Oak Island is not all that far from the mainland of Canada. And there were there was talk during the the um, 18th century of lights of some kind seen on the island, which might have given rise to this idea that pirates had been there burying treasure. So we move now to, I think, 1795. And we have three boys um, who found this depression in the ground. They found some evidence of a block and tackle in a tree overlooking of the depression and they begin to dig i believe and joy can you take it from there yeah, yes sir uh so yes they they begin to dig um they um daniel mcginnis finds the money pit we said around 1780 we think well along with uh, uh friends john smith and anthony vaughn uh they dig to around uh 30 feet and then temporarily give off give up i'm sorry 
and then the, around uh, 1803, another company comes along. You're going to see like 17 or so syndicates come one after the other uh, well, in this story. So they dug down about 30 feet, and that was all the further they could go with their hand tools? Mm-hmm. That's right. So they, they had to, you know, and, and they needed resources and help, but the, the uh, local people were so suspicious of the place. They didn't want to have, it was taboo. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. So um, they seek help, and uh, anyway, the Onslow uh, company uh, uh, forms, and uh, uh, it, it's within this period, around 1804 now, that they, they turn up the, uh, the famous inscribed stone. And uh, uh, well, let's so let's let's go let's go back let's go back a little bit. So the Onslow Company is now a syndicate of some kind, and they have better tools, and they're able to dig much deeper into what they think is the money pit. Is that right. correct? That's correct. Yes. So they get down to now. Traditional port reports say ninety feet, but uh, now I, I have uh, in my possession, right in front of me here, I have the. Uh, 1863 to uh, Yarmouth Her- Herald, and um, actually it might be around 80 feet when they found that uh, stone. So they they turn up a stone anyway, and uh, it's face down. It's around 80 to 90 feet, let's say, and then there's all these glyphs on it. So this became known as the inscribed stone. And uh, when translated, taken that given in its purest form, uh, the first glyphs we know, um, this actually is a uh, cryptic quote, just like you doodle to in your daily newspapers, and that the, the uh, message is indeed uh, uh, 40 feet below 2 million pounds are buried. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit of irony there. Um, I'm going to prove that we're not talking about treasure here. Uh, okay, so- okay, so let me let me let me kind of set the tone here. What we've got is, They've dug down 80, 90 feet. They found a stone, and it's inscribed with some glyphs, and they've been able to translate it, suggesting 40 feet below is $2 million. So they've got, them, they've got their, their shaft dug down. Now, as they were digging down, didn't they come to platforms of uh, trees or something like that every 10 feet or so? Uh, I, I think this is more um, – no, this is more, uh, you know, uh, interjection, uh, compounding the, the – the myth, uh, making it the myth, you know, uh, uh, compounded with more embellishments. Okay, let's just say. Uh, so you're actually, so you're suggesting you're suggesting there were no there were there were no uh, layers to this thing where every ten feet they found a, a, the the logs or anything like that. It's that's kind of part of the mythology that's grown up around the money pit. It is mythology. In fact, uh, uh, let me quote here. Okay, now well, let's pick it up. By this time, the work became too heavy for them to carry on alone. And they tried to get uh, the inhabitants to join them, but they refused from kind of superstitious dread. We just said that. About seven years afterwards, Simeon Lins of Onslow, this is a new company we talked about, uh, went down to Chester and happening to stop Mr. Vaughn, he was informed of what had taken place. Okay, now here's the point. Um, they, they reached the 93 um, uh, feet mark. Uh, they find a mark every 10 feet. Now, here's the real, here's the real what's found every 10 feet. Some of them were charcoal. Some of them were putty. That's the clay. And one at 80 feet was a stone cut square, two feet long and about a foot thick with several characters on it. So, see, these layers weren't just logs every 10 feet. In fact, they only went down uh, pretty much the first uh, every 10, 10 foot intervals the first 30 feet. Okay, after that, it was like charcoal and, uh, you know, putty and... Uh, so there were, there were some log layers, there were some log layers, but yeah. after 30 feet, there were, no, there were more, no more of those. Yeah, there was all different, you know, uh, layers, right? It okay. wasn't just logs every 10 feet. That, that's just a, a, a myth, you know. Okay. I go right back to the old reports, and we can see these little embellishments, as I said. Okay, so, so the, Onslow, uh, the Onslow Company's digging down in the money pit... Uh, they've reached the 90-foot level. They found the stone. What yeah. happens next? Why don't they go any deeper? It's the classic for Oak Island. Then the water comes in. Um, they go down to about, uh, yeah, 93 to 110 feet, and uh, this floods 
by you know, and eventually they're put out of business and they can't recover it. The technology- but, but when you say there, it's it's flooded. You mean the the pit they they've dug is now flooded? There's there's water in it. That's right. It's there's brackish water coming in from somewhere and it's pouring in at such a rate that. It, you know, they can't dig anymore because the water level's just going too high for them. So they're so, uh, so we're in, we're at eighteen we're in eighteen oh three right now, and they don't have the technology to pump the water out of the pit. The water's coming in faster; they can pump it out. Right. So the business is gone belly up. Okay. Know, so the Onslow Corporation. Of them do. <laughs> the Onslow Corporation is gone, but McGinnis was part of the Onslow Corporation as the other two boys were. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They had an interest there. But uh, um, anyway, that's it ended, and the next uh, enterprise picked up uh, in 1849, uh, the Toro Company. Um, they go on to find some more uh, clues. They get a couple of casts. Uh, they speculate that it's loose metal inside, but again, this is just a speculation. We can show you what it really is. And they recover um, three gold chain links. However, uh, you know, there's there's lots of convincing, um, say, evidence that they might have been salting the pit to raise money for uh, uh, treasure shares. Salt, by salting, I mean somebody could have tossed that in there, right? So you're, you know, so you're, suggesting, so you're suggesting that the three gold links that we hear so much about when we talk about the money pit may have been placed in there for them to find, so they can say, "Look, we found we found a little bit of gold here. It's suggestive yeah. of a treasure. We've got to have more money so we can get in, get down to the where the real treasure is." Sure. I mean, uh, you know, I never even really mentioned it in the book because how can you prove the posterity on something like that? You know. So uh, uh, yeah, they were attempting to uh, sell shares at the time. So I mean, this has to be considered, right? So, um, you know, I don't really put a lot of faith in that particular clue right there. So, um, but, but they still have the problem with the, with the water coming into the pit. They haven't been able to solve that? Mm-hmm. That's right. This, this continues to dog uh, pretty much every enterprise uh, that comes afterwards, too. Well, let me, uh, let me break in right here because there's, there's one question that I, I think the Luganus brothers have, have kind hmm. of shown us, or, or at least on their program. There was a guy named Stephen Ball, wasn't there, who owned part of Oak Island at one time, and he may have been with the boys, or may have been one of the boys who found the money pit originally. Is Has your research shown anything about him? Oh, yeah, I think, um, you know, we just had a little bombshell moment on one of our forums the other night about this. It was Samuel Ball. Samuel Ball, he was, sorry. He was a freed uh, black slave, um, a loyalist. He came up uh, uh, to Nova Scotia when the loyalists were leaving America. And by, okay, by, by, and loyalists, by loyalists, you mean the people who were supporting the, uh, the English during the American right. Revolution. Right. And so he was loyal to England, and he, he went to Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is, there is some suspicion about him, you know. Uh, he, he was uh, a black freed slave, and uh, pretty soon, you know, he was buying up lots on Oak Island. Uh, what was a, you know, a, a slave doing with all this money? So, you know, these speculations again, you know, maybe he found the treasure or whatever. I do a little research there. Samuel Ball was a cabbage farmer, okay? And what was the local population of the time? It was all settled by uh, Germans and Dutch people, okay? And it's, I found it recorded the other night that the product they were making since they arrived, and you know, this is really popular with German people, is the sauerkraut, you see? So here was what we found out, what we think we know now, is Samuel Ball was making a successful uh, money on a cash crop that was cabbage. He was a cabbage farmer. This was sold all over the local uh, area um, and used by the inhabitants, and it was also for victualing the, uh, the ships with. Uh, so he's so he's a, he's a, he's a successful farmer. He's making money off his farm. So his his the source of his money may have been his cash crop right. as opposed to finding the treasure. Absolutely. See, I mean, this is where the speculations go off wild, aren't they? And everything goes off the rails, you know. But uh, you know, if we look and we dig and we actually go into the history of the place, 
you know, things can be explained, you know, in another way, in a, in a more logical fashion. So, so the idea that uh, Samuel Ball was a member of the trio that found the original pit probably is untrue. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was at a, a much later time anyway. No, it was, uh, it was uh, three uh, local uh, lads, actually, okay. older than they said, John Smith, Anthony Vaughn, and Daniel McGinnis, of course. Don okay, so we've, we've gotten to we've gotten to 1849. We have the Truro Company trying to uh, get to the treasure. They they're unable to, uh, I guess, uh, pump out the pit. The water has defeated them, and they go broke. Uh, yeah, every, every they go belly up too, uh, one after the other. Um, the next uh, worthy event, 1861. Now. Um, this is when the first life was claimed by Oak Island, you know, the, the show, The Curse of Oak Island. Yes. Seven months back. Uh, <laughs> well, this is when the first life was claimed. And this man, unfortunately, um, uh, we can't identify him yet, but a man was scalded to death by an exploding boulder. And uh, also in that year, um, you know, an attempt to get at the money pit, they actually dug a shaft and underneath to try to come up the bottom. This caused... Uh, so they, they put a shaft down parallel to the money pit and then tried to tunnel over? Right, and try to come up the bottom. like under, And so the shaft was under... The money pit bottom would have been undermined. The, the bottom literally drops out of the money pit. Um, and it was, you know, uh, because of this undermining and weakening of the pit, uh, they cut several uh, cross tunnels. Okay, let, uh, let's let, let's take a quick break here because we're going to have to do that so we can pay a few bills, <laughs> and the uh, yeah. radio station wants us to do that. We're talking with mm. Joy Steele about the Oak Island Money Pit, the treasure of Oak Island, and we learned a little bit about what's going on, and she mentioned the first life being taken in 1861, and I want to revisit that because it seems that the count of the number of people killed in the money pit is now off. And the seven lives have been claimed. So we'll see what we can do about that. We will be back right after this with Joy Steele. Dreams are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. 
Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. I am back with my guest Joy Steele, Joy Steele, and we were talking. We're talking about the Oak Island Money Pit, and she's taken me off in a couple of tangents that I, I didn't want to really go down. But we're going to have to look at those, and we're going to try to get to her solution of what really happened at uh, at Oak Island, what the the Money Pit really is. I believe in the program, the uh, Curse of Oak Island. They talk about six people having died, and. It seems to me that the first one that they have on their list died in like 1897, and you said the first person was killed in 1861. Have I got That's the numbers right. wrong? Uh, well, the second person was lost their life in 1897. The first one was 1861. In 1897, this was uh, Maynard Kaiser. He fell to his death while he was being okay. pulled out of the pit. Yeah. Okay. Or in the William Chapel expedition. Okay, so um, the 1861 uh, attempt to penetrate the money pit, they, they dug a parallel shaft down there. They tried to come up below it. They uh, screwed the whole deal up, and you say the, money, the, the bottom fell out of the money pit. That's correct. I mean, that wasn't what killed this gentleman. It was because yes. the, the boiler exploded on the surface, you know. But that's right. You're, that's right up to now. So they're, well, they're, obviously their attempt failed as well. Yeah, it's one after the other. You know, failure. That's that money pit is a good name, actually. Yes, because <laughs> keep, keep people keep throwing pit money into the pit, trying in. to get to the treasure. Exactly, and opposed they never to sucking it out. out. <laughs> Not okay. a dime, right? <laughs> so we're at we're at, we've we've come to 1861. They've attempted to make another attempt, uh, assault on the money pit. They failed on that. Uh, they've kind of now dug up the all the area around the money pit, so that confusion will come about later, where, where exactly was the original money pit. Um, when, was, when was the next assault on the money pit? Well, now, uh, then came the flood, uh, Fred uh, Blair years, uh, around 1893. This would be the Oak Island Treasure Company. Um, and the cave-in pit is investigated on this uh, venture. Um, then, uh, you know, 1897, William Chapel comes into the picture there with Blair, and he's the uh, foreman, the driller. Uh, this, I, I already said the, the second life, uh, Maynard Kaiser, fell to his death at this time. Um, but there's very significant fines uh, coming after this. And uh, for one thing, Chapel uh, drills into what he says is the cement vault. And he and uh, he encountered, and within this was a piece of scrap of parchment was found, uh, uh, penned with India ink on sheep vellum, sheepskin. So it was uh, a clue of probable posterity, that one was. Uh, But all he had was this little half inch or so across uh, scrap of 
paper. So something was written, some document was there, and this was also believed by. But was was this was this was this vault he drilled into? Was it um, sealed so that the water hadn't uh, flowed into it? Uh, well, this is uh, this is another significant clue. Um, and when I go for the reveal here, uh, this is actually another part of the process. I'm going to tell you what's going on in antiquity. And not okay. Well, let's 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 jump ahead because we're going to run out of time if I'm not careful of <laughs> managing my time here. So we've Absolutely. we've had we've had any number of of, of uh, attempts to right. get to the treasure. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt was involved in one of the attempts. I think John Wayne was yep. involved in giving money to him and trying to get to the money pit. Uh, we move into the 1950s, I think it is, and there's a family that's now living on Oak Island, and, and they're trying to get to the money uh, to find the treasure as well. Is it the Restons, I think? Restalls, yes. Restalls, um, yes. Yeah, this would be in the um, the early 60s and uh, up until, um, you know, uh, 1965. And on this sad day, you know, four people, four more people died on Oak Island one day. In August of 1965, and and, and the re and the reason was probably carbon monoxide had flooded into one of the ditches or pits where they were working, and and they were overcome by the fumes. Is that correct? Uh, that's uh, that's what they speculated. Here we go with the speculation again. I actually sat down there just a few years with the son of Ed White, the one the hero that went in that pit, and we sat down and I got the closest story and the best rendition you're ever going to get. Um, we figure, well, Ed, Ed uh, we think it was a, co a toxic cocktail of, of, of other gases. For example, um, they had a strong smell of rotten eggs on their, on their clothing, and that's indicative of H2S gas, hydrogen sulfide gas. Okay. So, and then Ed observed, you know, like, uh, you know, even the greenish haze and bubbles coming up out of the pit, you know, uh, carbon monoxide is odorless. Yeah. Faceless. You can't see it, you know. But it could be that uh, this was one of the culprits, H2S gas. It could have been mixed with uh, some carbon monoxide. They had machinery there chugging away on the surface. The, the, point, the point is gas uh, uh, seeped into the pit, and it, and it took four lives. That's right. It was the culprit. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right, so nobody, nobody's been able to get down to the money, and we know the Luganus, basing watching the Curse of Oak Island, has not been able to defeat uh, the alleged booby traps as well. Now, because we're going to run out of time here, you've mm -hmm. spent quite a bit of time researching this there. You live in Nova Scotia, so you're right there. You can do the, the research. You can talk to some of the relatives of people who were involved, especially those who were involved. Yep. And, and you've gotten the best, best information. So what is what what is your theory about what uh, the money pit is? Let's see if we can bring all that together in the time we have left. Okay, here it is. Um, what went on at Nova, uh, on Oak Island, Nova Scotia, in the year 1720, was a project by the British government, and uh, they had something that well, people mostly never heard of, and this will this will explain a lot. You know, why, why did this go on? Why can't you know, people solve it or whatever? Because it was an obsolete technology that, but at the time, was absolutely crucial, and that is naval stores. Okay, most people never heard of that. What's a naval store? Naval stores is uh, uh, basically anything to do with ships, okay? That would be, uh, you know, um, um, even a mast was a naval store, okay? Spurs, knees. Pitch, tar, hemp for making rope, flax for sails. Okay, that's what naval stores was. It was a, all those things under the umbrella. And what I found out was I have documents, um, like I said, archaeology. It exactly matches the technology of your classic earth kiln, which is the way they made tar, pine from pine, back in those days. Okay, and... Because of the innovation, I'll even explain, you know, of a copper sheathing which came in, oh, you know, uh, in the late 1700s and through a series of innovations by the Royal Navy, uh, this stuff was no longer uh, 
need it. It wasn't required because uh, what they were doing was painting it on the boats to stop fouling agents. And one of the biggest one you you must have heard of a shipworm, right? Yes. And well, they would just uh, cross through a boat in Honeycomb in, in no time. I mean, it was so crucial. They were literally cringing when they didn't have a supply of it. So, so when, what you're what you're talking about is tar pitch. They need yeah, that. To, they need that to seal the ships. It was absolutely crucial for the rigging. For the, it acted as everything in those days. Cannon uh, grease, uh, you know, and uh, put on your livestock to stop infection. It was everything to them back then. Now, if but I today, understand, we don't if, know about it. I if now, as I understand it, the British had been getting these naval stores from Sweden or Scandinavia, right. and that that source was cut off. And right. they move. They moved the operation to North America, and a lot of it was right. done in South Carolina, or North Carolina, that oh, area. they were they were the biggest producers of naval stores. Um, I mean, the, the the Scandinavians were the kings of it at that time. But here's here's the perfect sense. Here's what happened. Basically, uh, they gained the monopoly. Sweden did. Britain was always buying its products from them, but. Of course, what happens is price jack up during monopoly, monopolistic pricing, and so Britain said, "Oh well, no, you know we can't, uh, we can't do with this, you know." And their their shipping interests were uh, in jeopardy too, you know. They wanted to go aboard uh, British bottoms, right? So anyway, um, they said, "Okay, that's it, you know. We've got our colonies over there. We're we're going to turn to them. Why not?" And uh, you know, uh, we're not putting up with this. That's it. So. Then the plan started. You look through the naval stores or the uh, historic records. It's all you see: seventeen, nineteen, seventeen, twenty. But what what is important here is that they're they're developing this tar from the pine trees um, in the, in the Carolinas and up the uh, east coast of the United States into Canada and onto Oak Island. They're they're um, creating the kilns to uh, I guess burn the. Um, burn the pine or, or produce the, the tar, the pitch. Is that yeah, correct? Earth, earth kiln, yeah. Um, it's an earth kiln, yes. Yeah, the, and, the scientific process is called um, um, pyrolysis by destructive uh, distillation, okay? It, what you're doing is you're taking a bunch of, you know, pine, right? You're sealing it in the kiln and you're sweating out the resin. You know, the rosin, it looks yes. like burnish, and then, you know, it comes out black after a while. That's the tar. This is all rich resin, you know. And uh, it will flow from under the kiln. And where did it go? Into a uh, concrete vault. Now you know what Chapel's vault is there. If and, we and examine... Mm -hmm. What, you, what you're saying is we've got an underground kiln. We, we build a, uh, uh, a kiln in the ground, an earthen kiln. We sweat the uh, pine tar. It goes into this vault. But it's sort of done underground. So you've got a pit... Well, you're, yeah. where you're doing all of this. That's right, you know, and, and there's a pipe that leads off from the bottom. It just looks like a cone, okay, dug down in the ground. All these pine billets of a particular size, and, I mean, this was even recovered. I found at the museum one of those billets. It had to be a perfect size, had to be pine. That was found, all smoky and cracked, yes. That was found by Dunfield. We have lots of uh, evidence and, uh, uh, you know, an exact match on the archaeology of... I mean, there's so much to go through, but I'll just keep telling you the evidence that I can, you know. Um, there's but, so much to go through. But you've looked, you've, you've talked to archaeologists in, I guess, oh. the Carolinas who yes, have, have. De uh, de described, have um, dis drawn these pits so you can see what they look like and, the, and yeah. they're of a size that would match what the boys found back in, eight, in 1795. Oh, exactly. Here's... Here's another kicker. Remember the flagstones? Do you remember the... Yes. Yes, two yes. feet down, they, they found flagstones. Yes. Flagstones on top. Okay. A, a typical earth kiln, it, it never changes. They always have the, the uh, saucer-shaped, donut-shaped depression. There's always charcoal just below the surface, surface, and they use these flagstones. You know why? Because I got a picture of it even uh, from antiquity. They pound on them, and this creates a tighter seal in the kiln. Okay, they all need, right. This has to be sealed, or it will, uh, there's actually reports here, they blow up. It, so, it has to be, yeah, it's a control so what, process. 
so we've got a, a depression in the ground. We've got the flagstones mm-hmm. to keep going. We've yeah. got the, the vault charcoal. down below, the charcoal yeah. vault. So this is, an, this is an earthen kiln. We're going to have to take our last break here in just a few moments. I'll have more information about this or have more information about this at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com with a, a listing of things you can do. And the book is The Oak Island Mystery Solved by Joy Steele, which you can find at Amazon and that sort of thing if you want to read all of the information that leads her to this conclusion. And when we come back, we'll get a little bit more information about this and talk a little bit about pine trees in the area and that sort of thing. So, Stick around for the rest of the story. Kev, you there? Yes. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. 
The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. I did not lie to you. We are back. I am joined by Joy Steele. Her book is The Oak Island Mystery Solved. And when we went, went away, we were talking about uh, these earthen kilns. And um, I, obviously, they're using fire and that sort of thing in the kilns. And I wondered if that might have some association with the lights that people had been seeing in um, the mid-1700s. And I know the Luganus brothers, in, in their work on Oak Island, found the remnants of an old British camp of some kind. Is that all tied together? Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of layers on Oak Island. You know, uh, settlement has been known, uh, you know, other than our, our original builders. But, I mean, you know, uh, they've been settled there since the early, mid to early uh, 1700s. Um, now, you, you mentioned about uh, uh, the lights, okay? Um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the real story about the so-called lights. First of all, it wasn't lights. It was bonfires. And the year was in the 1720s, uh, and this matches my offering as well. Um, the original tale of that uh, comes from Ed, uh, Reverend Edward uh, Snow, and he writes, quote, In 1720, the people of the mainland had observed particular lights burning on Oak Island at night. Boatmen, curious enough to cruise in the vicinity, had seen the outlines of men believed to be pirates silhouetted against giant bonfires. Two fishermen who went to Oak Island to investigate did not return and were never heard from again. Finally, the pirates, if such they were, disappeared from Mahone Bay and the area settled down to peace and quiet. But the women of Chester, whose men had vanished, never forgot the days when the pirates were active at Oak Island. A feeling of terror toward the island had persisted ever since the 1720s. Um, there is this is folklore. People will just say it is, but this is an exact match of the way a kiln would be lit. And why at night? Because they were they were lit at night because, well, presumably the wind would be lower, right? So you would have better control of your burning. So, you know, there's all sorts of uh, uh, tie-ins to what really happened, and this is just another. Uh, another part of the facet of the story that absolutely matches. One size fits all with this naval Well, I, I found it fascinating that in the last season of Curse of Oak Island, Luganus Brothers had people with metal detectors going on there, and they found what, in essence, is the remnants of a British camp there. And, and what you're suggesting is the British camp would have been there to uh, create the earthen um, kilns so they could get the tar and the resin and whatnot they needed to uh, fix ships, and if you've got a triangular-shaped um, bay in there that they talked about, and they found bits of ships in there, it seems to me that would be a place where they would be doing repair work on the uh, ship, sort of a wet dock type uh, phenomenon. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. In fact, if we look at all the criteria of a kiln, Oak Island is, matches everything exactly. It, it, it fills the criteria, and I mean, for this criteria, would you like me to list them off quickly? And uh, uh, let's see now. If if you're going to pick out a naval stores place, you got to have a supply of pine. Okay, I proved that's there. I found the the records of Samuel Duchamplain. Uh, he was in the area, and he says the place was filled with pines, and he names other woods. Okay, so there's uh, no question about that. In fact, gives the uh, coordinates: 44 degrees north latitude. Where's Oak Island? Nor uh, 44 degrees north latitude. Um, you had to have a gentle rolling landscape. I'm telling people now why Oak Island was picked. I'm telling them why this question. Uh, indeed, uh, it has the right landscape because the tire had to roll down the kiln into that vault by gravity. Okay? It's all simple logic. And it, and it had to have, um, you know, good coastal shipping, and this was required by British law as well. Um, and it had to be, uh, you know, and the, the re another reason, I have a document, a very rare document. I hope we get another chance to bring this out. But the one and only document um, connecting Oak Island. 
and uh, so the requirement was that they would like to have land uninhabited with no land claims. There was nobody on Oak Island in 1720. Um, and the bonus is um, a Central sla uh, Swamp, okay? This is how they seasoned the mass back then. They had to have a, a wind, what they call a windlash swamp, a pond, and the, the mass will go in so they wouldn't crack, okay? It's all there, it's all there. And the, another requirement, and this came out, new research just within the month, you had to have clay. Now, what do you hear about Oak and clay this, clay that? You had to have clay to set up the kilns. That clay was everywhere in the archaeology. Yep, so it's all there, 100% a match. And if we look... Uh, another thing. Well, I was going to say, if we look at the uh, earthen kilns that were built in the Carolinas in that time frame, they seem to match the evidence uh, that has been found on Oak Island, which would suggest the earthen kiln is the solution. There was no money. There was no treasure. It, uh, it's an earthen kiln that they were using to, um, uh, to, to get the resin, to get the tar, to uh, complete the British, the, the uh, naval stores, I guess is the right. thing I'm searching and, you for. You know, because the, the monopoly was on, they, they were, it was crucial. It was just crucial back then. Uh, you're exactly right on this. So, so you're saying uh, you're saying you have the documentation from the, the the history of Oak Island, the mythology that's grown up in, on that. You've you've seen the the documents from um, the the uh, 18th century. We've got the matches from the archaeology uh, oh, research uh, yeah. being done in the Carolinas. Sure. It all sure. it all uh, seems to fit together. So you're uh, saying there's George? no treasure. No, there's it, no. Uh, the real treasure is in our. Archaeology and who was there? I didn't bring out who was there yet, but I'm going to give you all the five W's and throw in a how too, okay? <laughs> but I don't have time make it, today. Make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want me to say who was there now, or make it quick? We're running out of time. Okay. Um, according to the records, uh, I've identified the party as being the Sosi Company, um, which was a joint. Uh, stock company and uh, believe it, it still befuddles scholars today, but somehow they struck up a deal with the uh, uh, broke uh, English government and swapped their shares for death. And one of their enterprises was, and I have a document, I got it from the Canadian Archives, was to go to Nova Scotia to make naval stores. And I can, uh, I can track the area by, by cross-correlating with another document to show you it is oak island for sure and the archaeology there and the history and the, the reasoning and uh, so for all of these things uh, i think this is a new day in research and uh, i also have well, well here's 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 the question i'm sure everybody wants me to ask have you communicated with the Luganus brothers and told them this yeah rick and i have been on the phone at least three times i never met him face to face but um, what is their what is their reaction to your to your theory he said it was very unique, and um, what he said at the time was he was preparing a short list, you know, like people like Lee Lamb, you know, authors like that, or uh, of people he was going to recommend to Prometheus, the production company, to go on the next show. Um, and so he said, you know, I'm I'm going to tell them about it, but um, you know what what happens after that? It, I did, you know, I can't be, re you know, not responsible. I did my best. Okay. And I really appreciate that. I never got a call. I never even got so much uh, invited to percent. But uh, I think, well, I think, but I think if you look at it, they're built. They're making a TV show, not the Luganus Brothers, but Prometheus is making a television oh, yeah. show. And they're not yeah. going to want somebody showing up and say that's a, a earthen, an earthen kiln. There's, there's no kill. money to be found. You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, no, exactly. well, the, you know, the, some people value the money, I value the truth, okay? And that's, I'm here to be very transparent and bring this all out. And, well, uh, clearly, you know, clearly I'm, the show, clearly the show is very popular, so uh, I think anything that suggests that there might be an alternative explanation that fits all the facts is not going to be something welcomed by Prometheus. Although well, the Gaines brothers would probably be happy to, to have a solution. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what they say, and, uh, you know, Rick, uh, he, he seemed very eager to get this to the bottom of it, and he did find it unique, but it, it is, uh, uh, you know, non-treasure-based uh, uh, 
um, offering. I'm not even going to say theory anymore. I'm sorry. I just got too much to <laughs> to say what this is. Um, I'm like, we never even covered a lot of the proof here in the well, I know we we don't we don't have time. I'm going to link to some of this on my blog, so that we can get more information out to the public about this, and they can they can look at some of the things that I've seen, such as the uh, archaeological research that was done in the Carolinas about the earthen kilns and that sort of thing. Joy Steele, thank you so much for joining me here on a different perspective. Your book is the Oak Island Mystery Solved. You can find it on Amazon, uh, and take a look at it from that point of view and run with it from there and if you want more information go to www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and take a look at some of the things I've done about Oak Island over the last uh, several years since the program Curse of Oak Island has been uh, broadcast because I found the whole thing fascinating myself and I was always hoping for a treasure but I noticed that there was an awful lot of things that seemed to go wrong and there just wasn't a whole lot of evidence that took us in that direction well there is now though I, I, of a treasure took us in the direction of a treasure. So oh, okay, but you know we do have uh, solid evidence now. This is very uh, hot, very new. Of yes, of what I'm saying was there. Yes, it, yes, it's been on covers and it's coming out to the public now. It was yes. on one of the episodes even. Um, if you look at the later episodes, uh, I'm I'm out of I'm Joy. I'm out of time. I've got to run. I'm sorry. We will have to take this up another time. I appreciate you taking time to share the evidence as you found it here, and I think that you're probably on the right track, much to the chagrin of everybody else. As I say, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and for those of you who are interested in the Roswell case, because we're coming up on the anniversary, take a look at Roswell in the 21st century. You can find it at Amazon as well. Next week, with any luck, I'm going to revisit Jan Harzan to talk about some of the controversy that is circulating in the uh, upper levels of MUFON and see if we can get down to that. We will be back in 167 hours with another episode of A Different Perspective, so thank you for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs>